Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening from wherever you are in the world. This is the Halligans and Half Wheels podcast brought to you by Box 1971, where we're changing the culture of the fire service one fireman at a time. This episode comes to you from the Fueled by Milwaukee studios. Milwaukee Tools, nothing but heavy duty. Joined today in studio by Big John Chamberlain. How are you, sir? Howdy ho, neighbor. You are not looking so big these days, my friend. Well, it happens. It happens. <laughs> Who'd you bring with you? Uh, I bought my uh, uh, best friend. Uh, uh, he's a, what are you, a staff sergeant or something? Staff sergeant, yes, that's staff correct. Sergeant, United States go. Marine Corps. Hoorah. Well, and we gave him the blue microphone. So he would hopefully not eat it because we heard that his favorite color is red. Is that true? That is absolutely true. <laughs> and you are stationed at Camp Lejeune? That is correct, yes. All right. You're not drinking the water. You hear about the lawsuits? I'm, I'm drinking the hell out of that water. It's <laughs> 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 <This> disability. <laughs> Spoken like a true advocate, right? At 100%. And this guest, we've tried to get on this podcast for, well, since we started. This is this is a guy is hard to track down. We need to send out the search party for him. He's well traveled in the fire service, uh, well established in his career. Not just a good fireman, but a good human. Uh, Richard Ray, how are you doing, sir? Outstanding. Well, it's good to see you. I'm glad that you made it home from FDIC. How was it? FDIC was great this year. Uh, <clears throat> it was. Uh, it was refreshing. It was much needed. Uh, it was exciting. I had my son with me this year for the first time. That was exciting. Took him to the Fool's Bash. Showed him all about the Fool's stuff, you know. And uh, trying, All about training, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Try, trying to get him set up uh, so that he can get started in his career, you know. And uh, so, you know, we, we took some classes, <clears throat> you know, and, and he, he, he comes back with these – these thoughts that you know man i've been looking at the fire ground wrong i've been looking at things wrong coming up here has taught me that i need to look at things a little bit differently and i'm like from a 17 year old to say that right i mean it's it's like if i'd have been i wished i'd have had the same opportunity when i was was coming up in the fire service right sure and, and uh so it was great man my class um my class i felt like was good i it wasn't to me, it wasn't like it was as good as in years past, but um, I had about 40 students in there, which was good. It, it, it took them a while to get engaged. Yeah. Um, but uh, once they got engaged, it was it, it was good. So, uh, you know, um, and then, you know, when when I went in the uh, – for the opening ceremonies in the big room, that kind of stuff, I, I felt like Chief Rhodes was, was speaking directly to me. And uh, – yeah, his opening speech made it made its rounds on social media yeah, for sure. Yeah, it it it, uh, and if you've if you've ever met the man, just just a true humble servant. Um, he's a good dude. So uh, it was good. It was uh, it's what FDIC is all about, right? It's about uh, energizing your batteries, getting a recharge, and being around people who get it and people who care. And uh, the unfortunate thing is, is that for 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 a lot of us. You know, we, we work around so many people that just view it as a as a job, that just view it as, as something to do and uh, T shirt and a paycheck. That's exactly right. You know, and so to be around to be around energized people who are into the job, who it's okay to talk about the job. Right. Yeah, it was it was great, you know. Um and uh got to hang out with my, my buddy from uh, Denver, Chief McGrail, Dave McGrail. 
Genius um, guy. Man, unbelievable. <laughs> he could yeah. talk on many levels. And, uh, you know, he is, again, just a uh, just a good, humble servant type of guy, too, that uh, – he spent he spent some time with me, so you know we were able to talk shop and and to to get perspective from his DFD to my DFD was uh, was pretty <laughs> cool. So so you're you're the rank of a battalion chief now, yeah? Yeah, I'm a rank of a battalion chief. I did uh I did try the division chief thing. Um, I acted for a few months as a division chief, but um, I didn't pay attention to details. So for for everybody listening, when 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 you go about this job, it the devil truly is in the details, and uh, so I got kicked out of the process because I, uh, I I I didn't pay close enough attention to the policy, and you know um, that's on me. That's on nobody but me, and uh, I own it, and it's uh, it's okay, right? I, I I get to go back and be in the fourth battalion on the on the east side and um, work with some some outstanding human beings and people that I just love being around. And, uh, it's really, um, it, it's, it's okay. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm in the fire station. I'm, I'm, I'm with the brothers and sisters and, uh, we're, uh, hopefully we're going to go to more fires, you know? So that, <laughs> well, that's, you don't go to many fires in the office either. No, no. The <laughs> fires that you get in the office are not the ones you want to deal with either. Usually. So, well, you still got tread on your tires. Right. And that's the thing, you know, that's, when you don't have no tread on your tires, you go and you sit in the office from 8 to 5. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a lot of tread left on those tires. I appreciate that. I'm trying. <laughs> well, it's not easy, right? It's not easy, one, to eat right, stay healthy. It's it's tough. It, it's hard. And and I have found that, um, you know, when I was, I was thinking about some things coming up here today about, you know, <clears throat> what we're going to talk about, this and that, and then I got to, to thinking about, man, if I had my knowledge, the knowledge I have now put back in my 18 and 19 year old body. <laughs> oh my word, friend. <laughs> you know, um, but I have found that, you know, as, as there, there's a progression and, and, uh, you know, um, what I'm thankful for is, is that, uh, the drive is still there. Um, the desire is still there. I still want to go to fires. I still want to do the work. I still want to serve others. And 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 for that in itself, you know, it's. Uh, I feel like that if I ever lose that, that's that's when it's going to be time. You right. know, and, right. and, and 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 the the other piece of that is, you know, that goes back to the learning side too, right? I mean, when you stop learning in a, in, in the job, it's that's when it's time to to hang up the hat too because every day's a learning experience you know so uh so yeah yeah, yeah. so you're, you're kind of a i'll call you a legacy fireman uh if you had a flat top you'd be a spitting image of your daddy oh my <laughs> word and some camis right right oh. so tell us about tell us about your dad uh and and his where he started his career and then kind of how that progressed into you going to fires and you becoming a career guy all right, can I can I can I take it one step further and go back to my grandfather? You can do whatever you want, buddy. You can. And by the way, this is a unscripted podcast. It's we have no notes in front of us except uh, very minimal, just some outline stuff, and we just do what we want, buddy. You can say what you want. I know that everything you say is not a representative of your agency or any agency that you're affiliated with. They're just your words, right? Um, and we're going to stay away from agency names. Yes, uh, but. 
the uh, the point is is that anything goes. So if you just want to swear, we don't beep it. I <laughs> but gotcha. I, I know you don't swear too much. <laughs> I do right. enough swearing for the both of us. <laughs> I, 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 try, I try not to. Sometimes though, when I get to work in the mornings and and, and get some of the beef, it, it does pull it out of me. So anyway, I ain't even uh, had time for coffee yet. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, I. Let me start off by saying that I'm a third-generation firefighter. Um, so my grandfather uh, moved to a small town um, here in the area, and uh, he wasn't a um, he wasn't one of the the original members of the of the department because he come in a couple years after the department was established. Um, but he served from. 1941 until 1979 and the only reason why he stopped was because at the time in the state of North Carolina in order to receive the pension fund you could not still be an active member so he had paid up his force his pension fund he had his time in and uh and so for that he 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 retired and he still stayed on as as I remember him having a tag and it said fire marshal on it and I'm like Papa, what in the world's a fire marshal? Because I, I was a kid, I didn't know, you know. And he talked about how he does fire investigations and that kind of stuff. So he was still an active member and still actively participating uh, in the fire department. He just wasn't going on calls. Um, and so that's kind of where it started for my family, right? And it was it was simply nothing more than. For my grandfather, it was an opportunity for him to serve another human being. That's wow. what that's what it was. Different generation. Totally different generation. Um, and so, my dad, when he turned, when he turned twenty twenty one, he 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 had been he had actually been going to a lot of fires with with my grandfather. Much like I did when I was a kid, I, you know, my grandfather would go to a call, my dad would hop and go with him, and I did the same thing with my dad. So it was kind of, you know, it was it was neat to see that play out. But <clears throat> so, you know, my dad he he started when he was twenty twenty or twenty one somewhere in that ballpark because this year makes his fifty eighth year in the fire service. Not for nothing, wasn't he in the army? He was in the, he was in the National Guard for thirty nine and a half years as well. So, wow. service to his country and to his fellow citizen has been his life, right? And so, having that example, and, and even my grandfather, I mean, it, it wasn't just about the fire service that that was serving others there. With my grandfather, he was you know he ran an automotive mechanics shop there in, in the town and. And uh, if anybody broke down, he was the one they called, and he would always go out and help. And, I, and it was just it was just a life of service for him, you know. And 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 that obviously transcended to my dad, and my dad does the same stuff. And um, and so yeah, so my dad joined the uh, the fire department. I think it was in '65, and uh, he come up through the ranks. And then um, as I was growing up, I became part of the same fire department, and kind of hanging out I was kind of a junior member if you will and uh, when I got a little bit older when I got to to 16 and 17 that's when I would I would I'd try to hop in the vehicle with him and go you know and uh, I remember as a kid you know I would hear the siren go off in the town and I would get up and go to the bedroom make sure dad was up and he was going to the fire you know 
And and I didn't understand as a kid there were some times where he didn't get up or I remember there was one particular night he went to a house fire and he and I was asking about it. He's like, well, I just went to the fire station. And I'm like, dude, now that I'm an older gentleman, have lived a little <laughs> bit of life, I understand why he just went to the fire station and hung out, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I get that. So, uh, <clears throat> so it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's been, it was a cool way and a blessing to grow up in that kind of environment, right? To, to see, to see public service firsthand. And, um, and so when I turned, you know, I remember as a kid too, um, I was riding with my dad. We were going to a, to a little league ball game. I was still in little league and, uh, we were just talking and I said, you know, I said, I said to him, I said, well, I guess I'll be in the national guard and I'll be a, you know, I'll be a volunteer firefighter and, uh, you know, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do, you know, when I grow up. And, and these words have rang true ever since that day my dad said to me. And I can tell you exactly where we were sitting in the area. That's how vivid it is for me. He said, <clears throat> whatever you do, he said, if you, if you want to be a mechanic, if you want to be in the National Guard and you want to be a volunteer firefighter, if that's what you want to do, great. He said, just make sure that whatever you're doing every day in life is something that you enjoy. He said, and your life will be a lot better and a lot less stressful. And I, as a kid, you don't, I don't under, didn't understand the impact of those words. But when I started my fire service career, those words rang true even more so. And I can honestly say, you know, outside of the politics, outside of the, you know, the struggles that come along with being a firefighter, um, I've enjoyed what I've done every day, you know, and to be able to do it is a blessing. And, and so <clears throat> that, that's kind of, kind of where I come along. I started out when I was 18 and, um, you know, I w would go, I mean, if, if, if the pager went off, it didn't matter what it was. If the pager went off, I was there, I was there and I was pushing daddy to go. You know, and, and I've actually got to experience that with, with my son, who is a fourth-generation firefighter coming up through the ranks. I've actually experienced that with him, and, and it's kind of actually lit a fire back in me a little bit, you know. So that, that's, been a, that's been a neat and cool thing. But uh, So, yeah, so I go off to college. I go to East Carolina. Um, I knew it. Yep. I went to East Carolina. <laughs> and, uh, and so – you know, when I when I started off at East Carolina, I didn't really didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really. I, I had a couple things that I that I think that I thought I wanted to do. Like so, I did like some criminal justice classes, some sociology classes, that kind of stuff, and nothing really nothing really tripped my trigger, you know. And so <clears throat> I got to uh, I got to my sophomore year. And things weren't going very well from a classroom standpoint. Um, I uh, made my first F and first D. Oh, yeah. It, I had a I had a three point seven GPA, and after the D and the F in the same semester, you can probably imagine what happened to my GPA. Oh. Mm. So Dad informed me that he was, you know, that he appreciated me being honest with him about my grades, but he didn't typically pay for parties that he couldn't attend point taken daddy 
I could just see him saying that. His eyes are so stone. Right? Just. So. <laughs> but there's also something that happened that was life-changing for me in that same semester. I feel it coming on. Oh, yeah. That's when I met Miss Paula. Mm. And uh, so, so funny story there. I'll tell you, I'll tell you about it. It was, it, it was, it was my sophomore year. I was home um, for Christmas. Um and I'd gone over to Northgate Mall. This was back when Northgate Mall was still was still in its heyday and, and safe and safe. You know. <laughs> and so, um, didn't, I we, didn't close at six. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and let me back up and say that that Miss Paul and I we actually met our freshman year um, in a in a library science class. So I, I knew who she was. But anyway, so this Christmas I'm I'm at the mall and and. I noticed she's working at the candy shop, so I go over and speak to her. And Oh, know, she's from Durham? Yeah, she's from Durham. Oh, okay. We lived 11 miles apart and met at East Carolina. Wow. Dang, oh. Yep, so. Yeah, for those that don't know, the Northgate Mall used to be a premier mall, and then, what is it, Southgate Mall moved in? South Point. South Point, South yeah. Point. yeah. See, it tells you how often I get yeah. down there to <laughs> shop. But anyways, that's a that's a foregone conclusion that that, that, uh, that mall no longer exists. So, uh, so to wrap this little piece up, I, uh, you know, I, I saw her at Chris, you know, at Christmas and I asked for a phone number and I only got her phone number at college. I didn't get the phone number here in, at home. And I'm like, well, that just stinks, you know? So I didn't, I didn't call her and, uh, Ooh. yeah, that was a mistake on my part. And then I saw her later on in the semester and, um, we had a little exchange about why I didn't call her and. She explained to me that that wasn't a legit reason, and it's been uh, it's been history ever since. So, uh, and she's been a um, she has been in terms of the fire service for me. She has been the support that I have needed since day one, and uh, so I'll forever be grateful for what she does for me in terms of supporting my passion, my enjoyment. But it's also not lost on me the sacrifices that, that she and the kids have made over the years, too, right? It's, it's not – that is not lost on me. But anyway, um, so <clears throat> I realized that same year that I took a class um, in the old burn building over at the training grounds in the area. And, uh, and I made a decision then that being a firefighter was what I wanted to do as a career. And, uh, and so – how many years ago was that? That was in 1995. <laughs> the Wayback Machine. <laughs> right? Gas was 89 cents a gallon. Right, right? yeah. <laughs> Things were actually affordable. And uh, so anyway, <clears throat> um, I, couldn't, I couldn't give up my time at college. That wasn't fair to my dad and my mom. Um, so I finished out college. I graduated in December, and that following March I started with uh, the fire department that I'm currently employed with and uh have been there 26 years and uh it's funny um i graduated from college and a week after i graduated i got my acceptance letter to the academy beautiful it was it was just i mean just a blessing from the lord above and, and my mom says to me she says you mean to tell me I, we pay for four and a half years of college and you're gonna be a fireman <laughs> yes ma'am 
And she was like, okay. And no, and that was the last time I heard about it. And uh, I would, if, if, if I was being real, she was pretty proud about that fact. So, um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, there was a lot of love for your mom. Yeah. Rest her soul. Yeah. 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 There was a lot of, a lot of people that, uh, I remember when she passed and it was cold when the, the wake was happening. I mean, pe- people were standing outside the funeral home for damn near two hours yeah. to pay respects to the, to the Ray family. That's, uh, we're going to talk a lot about legacy, I think today. Yeah. And, uh, y- your family has a way of leaving it better than they found it. And sometimes folks don't like conventional wisdom. And I think that, uh, one thing that has been instilled in your family lineage is, Smart thinking, <laughs> common sense thinking, right? not what's popular, but what's right. Uh, I love going to lunch with your dad. That's <laughs> some of the highlights of being in the southern end of the county where we live is uh, going and eating with him and, and going to his shop and watching him putz around and do a whole bunch of stuff and yeah. looking at that flat top because my wife doesn't like me to have one. <laughs> so I have to live vicariously through a, an older gentleman. <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, and that was the way he led the organization too when he was chief. And, um, it, uh, a lot of respect for him when he, I mean, just, just, I always said if I, if I could just be a third of the man that, that he and my grandfather was and just, just even a third of the firemen that they, that they were, you know, um, I would do okay. And I apologize if I say fireman. I probably should say firefighter. No, fireman's fine. No, it's right there on that logo in front of you. So. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a difference. There, there's a woe man and a man. And that's how we feel about it. Got you. So. It, it is what it is. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it's also pretty humbling to see the uh, the respect that, that dad is and my grandfather had, you know. And, and being able to carry that legacy on in the same community in the same service that that's been um that that's that's weighed heavy on my shoulders to carry right because sure. because I'm the, I was the I was the next one in line you know and and now I've got Evan coming along he's he's 17 and you know head he, full of hair God, yes, head full of hair. We should get a haircut. But anyway, whatever. He, he the, does go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the girls like it, Dad. That's why. That's oh, why. Oh, he's yeah. got the flow, huh? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's got, got flow. Have you got, not seen it? I have not. All right, yeah. go ahead, Richard. It, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so you know, <clears throat> for him to have joined when uh, – and, you know, Evan was – he was he was funny as a kid to me about the fire service, right? He had fire trucks, and he always played – with the ladder trucks and not the engines and Jesus. we won't go any further than that but he he liked ladder trucks have you ever ridden the ladder um very briefly yes i have i actually have a little bit of time on a ladder company like <laughs> like like going to jobs or just like riding around town looking cool actually when i was assigned to the ladder company on the south side of town um i caught several good fires something about that that road, that split, there's some good fires that yeah. happen there. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, he, uh, he comes to me when he turns 14 and says, uh, Hey dad, you know, I think I want to, I think I want to, I'm interested in being a junior firefighter. And I'm like, okay, well, number one, please don't do it because of your granddaddy or your daddy. 
if you do this, I want it to be because it's something that you, you, want, to do, you right. want to do, right? Because, yeah, he played with, with fire trucks as a kid, but would he come to the fire station? He didn't have a whole lot of interest in the, in the trucks or whatever, you know? But he grew up around it. And so, uh, and coming to the fire stations and visiting. and I mean, when he was, when he was really young, I couldn't even get him in a fire truck. Um, now I can't get him out of one if he can get on it, right? You know, and so, um, <clears throat> so anyway, he uh, he 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 says, Dad. He said, I don't know if I like it or not if I don't try it. I said, Fair enough. So we we did what we needed to do, and then COVID hit. Mm. So, <clears throat> you know, with with him being fourteen at the time. You know, we, we we didn't do a whole lot through the first six months of COVID, but I say six months, first five months, if you will. So that that following August of, of when COVID was, was going on, we started um, having junior meetings in, in, in the department, and uh, and that really sparked his interest and his love when we started doing training. And the training was, was, was really simple training. It was I won't trying to, to build firefighters at, you know, in 14 and 15 year olds i was just trying to build them so they could be functional on the fire ground if they ever got the opportunity to go on one you know and so um thankfully he he had the opportunity to uh he caught some pretty good jobs and uh he's i think riding down the street the q siren going and air horns bouncing off the the buildings <laughs> i think it's that great was sound. i think that was that was the hook line and sinker for him you know and, uh, and like i said he's Man, he does. Uh, he he's he's got some natural talent that I never had. Must be come from his mama. It's got to have come from his mama. <laughs> <laughs> got to have. Um, but uh, you know, he he's got in terms of of his skill set. Y'all have seen him work some. I mean, he's got he's got some skills that yeah. that to be to be his age, if he'll just build on it, it'll it, it's just setting him up for success in the service, you know, and so. His thing now, now that he's 17, you know, college is on the horizon. Um, he's looking at a couple places, his fire engineering degree, fire science degree, four-year degree. Okay. Um, so he wants to do that, and then uh, when when he's done, he wants to get on the job somewhere. And, of course, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm telling him, man, you got to be where the ghetto is, you know. That's right. you got to be where the ghetto is to get the fires and do the work, you know. And, God uh, bless the ghetto. And so he, uh, you know, he, he's, he's got, he's got a drive in him, you know, and, and, and what's frustrating in today's service is that you see a lot of, a lot of young people, not just junior firefighters, but you see a lot of young people and even some, some older people that come into volunteer service that, that get their, their passion squashed because of differing personalities and, they don't necessarily fit a mold in the mind of a person or, or they're not part of a clique or whatever, if you will. And, mm-hmm. and I just don't have time for that stuff, man. Right. I mean, we're, we're all in this together. Um, everybody, my opinion is, is that if you're in the fire service every day, you should be trying to better yourself and, and, and to serve others. Cause that's what the job's about is serving others. And everything that we do promotes life safety and, I mean, we, we can say that we're an all-hazard service because we are, but, but at the end of the day, on, on those, those, those trucks that I ride for both of them organizations, it's got fire department on it. We mm-hmm. go to fires, and, and, uh, 
and to lose sight of going to fires is uh, I, I have a problem with that because you know in the famous words of, of Lieutenant Ray McCormick in his speech he said when, when that mom tells you that her child is trapped upstairs in that bedroom you are her last hope mm-hmm. and what are you going to do you know and, and that is one of those deals where yeah, what are we going to do? Well, they're expecting us to act. They want us to be knowledgeable. They want us to be professional. They want us to do a good job. And and last time I checked, didn't nobody ask me if I wanted to do this job. I willingly signed up to do it. That's right. Mm. I willingly signed up to do it. So I willingly signed up to say, you know what? Yes, ma'am, when your child is trapped, I'll do whatever I can to get them out. If that means that I got to do something else, right, right, you know, I'm gonna give them every chance that I can because, as human beings, that's what we're supposed to do, and and there's a lot of things, and, and I'm not saying that you go out and you're all cowboy and stuff, reckless, right, but what I'm saying is is that you're disciplined, you're aggressive, you have job knowledge, you understand how to read a building, you understand how to read fire, you know where to position the line, you know where to initiate the search. You know how you need to ventilate the building. And there's a lot of that that's missing, I think. It, in, oh, absolutely. It's, it's not being taught. And, and you were talking about aggressiveness. It, you don't see it nowadays. No. I'm out, you know, in the role that I'm currently in um, as a battalion chief, I want to be able to pull the reins. I want to be able to pull you back and say, oh, guys, let's back up. It's a little, a little too much rather than having to drag you along and bring you to where I need you. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that, that whole aggressive piece, um, I think Aaron Fields says it best. Aggressive firefighting is not the problem. He says aggressive firefighting is the solution, and that's 100% true. Absolutely. That's 100% true. You know, and, um, and so, you know, that's kind of been my mindset, my thoughts, um, and my, my drive to – to leave it better than I found it because now I got, I've got a lot in the game now. I've got a son that that's, that's looking to do this job. Right. And, right. and, and you talk about sharing information, leaving it better than you found it. I mean, my actions through the course of my career is going to impact his career, you know, and making sure that I've done what I needed to do in terms of for him, in terms of both the organizations I'm a part of, in terms of the service, am I leaving it better than I found it? And uh, and so, yeah. Well, we've had the chance to work with some of your juniors. Uh, we did a, we've done it a couple times, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we've done a, we've done a lot over would, the years. I'd love for you to come back and do the Max Firebox again. Yeah, it's I, that's 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 it's cheap, it's easy, and you get real fire behavior. And, and so I, I need to show you a picture of uh, Evan from FDIC um, when uh, it was it was it was more of an image or sales pitch, but they were using a Max Firebox. And Evan said, I, "I'm I'm coming back at at one thirty and, and watching the fire behavior demonstration." He said, "I'm coming back to see that." Right. And it wasn't because he wanted to look through the the cool imager. Oh, we knew exactly who you're talking about. Tactical thermal imaging. Go on. He 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 wanted. He wanted to watch. He wanted to watch the fire behavior in the max box. That's right. The and, more you see it, the better off and, you'll be. And uh, and so you know, again, it, it, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That's a cool dad moment, right? I, right. I snagged a few pictures of his long curly hair in a, in a hat <laughs> watching it. You know, but uh, you know, 
yeah, I need to get y'all back there too. Yeah, uh, to, anytime to, to do the uh, to do the firebox because that's uh, that's probably one of the more cooler props I've seen. Yeah, in it's service. A, it's know? a it's a really good prop. Uh, we we've yeah, we're very happy with it. We've uh, very minimal maintenance and very repetitive to show actual realistic conditions. But I will say, the whole group of juniors that you've brought along have impressed all of us. Uh, we did the. Uh, what was that? Warren County wanted to do something together, so we did a we did a day, and then we had a day before that that we did something with juniors, and um, a couple times we've been to your firehouse. Um, but it's amazing to see how these kids have progressed over the years, and you're like, oh, okay, I didn't think that kid was going to make it, and then they turned out to be a bright shining star, and you're like, yeah. wow, all right, you know, you get to watch that, you know, you get a cool moment yeah. that uh, you get to see. I got a question for you, Big John. Oh Jesus, what are you smoking on over there? Uh, I have a Maduro Papos. Yeah, how is it? It is delicious. Yeah? What are you smoking on there, Staff Sergeant? Is that right? Is that how you say it? That's it. All right. brother. All right. I'm smoking on a Diamond Crown Maximus. Sounds expensive. Uh, It it tastes like it should be. (laughs) 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 Well, I am smoking on a K by Karen Burger Maduro. This, uh... Cigar actually, Karen actually owns the the factory, the farm, and the shop in Daytona. Her husband was Don Kiki, and uh, he passed suddenly a few years ago. Uh, and they used to have uh, the Cuban crafters. They wanted to be the Walmart of cigars, and so uh, she still has the farm in Esteli, Nicaragua. Uh, this is actually her favorite cigar. Uh, this is she calls it her little chocolate bar, and I will tell you that it's got hints of chocolate and caramel in it, and I. And people are like, how can you taste that? If you smoke it, you'd understand. It's crazy that, like, as they sit in the valley, the soil comes down. You know, the minerals wash down into the valley, and that's what makes the cigar have flavor. That's why here in the area where we live, the cigarette tobacco is immediately exported to China because of the soil that we have. It's unique for the type of uh, tobacco and flavor, but it makes me crave hot chocolate. Like it's going to be 80 degrees today and I want to have a glass of hot chocolate with this. So, uh, and maybe I'll just have a little bourbon later on to satisfy me or a nip of dark chocolate. But, uh, yeah, Richard, I, I, and I know you're not smoking. Miss Paula would have your hide, (laughs) hide strapped to the, uh, Santa Fe and headed West. (laughs) So, um, go ahead and make the best sound in the world. Do you got it, John? Oh, you already did it. Oh, you've already done it. All right. So, so I want to add one thing to you that that sure. that, I, that I thought was pretty cool. You know, when I was when I was eighteen, nineteen, somewhere in that ballpark. You know, I was working at the hardware store there in in, in town, and um, there was a building that caught on fire right behind where I was working, and uh, that was at a time where I was. He wants to make the best sound in the world. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, make the best sound in the world. That Adolph Coors, boy, he knew what he was doing when he made them yellow jackets, didn't he, boy? <laughs> Ice cold and joy, staff starting. So, so anyway, we, we had a fire there in town, and it was right behind where I was working. And um, that was back when the, the, the local newspaper would always show up and buff the fires a little bit. And I actually have a, a newspaper picture of me and my grandfather on a hand line. Wow. Now that's cool. Now, what's what? Let me tell you what's not cool about it, though. 
neither one of us are in turnout gear. That's 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 that is the one thing that's not cool about it. But let me tell you that I, I'll 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 take the hit from the safety Nazis to be able to say that I got a picture on a hand line with my grandfather. Amen. I'll be you know, so that that that's that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah. Well, I mean. <sighs> It's just uh, the safety Nazis kill me, right? I mean, here's the thing: hey, you done, you done fired me up. <laughs> that one <laughs> sentence, you done lit the fire. <sighs> Explain to me why we always go back, and if you can't speak on it, that's fine. You've been a part of some big name stuff: UL, fire attack, victim search. You're doing some big things, and the cool thing about you and and I always say this, you know, stay humble or be humbled, right? Right. And you're just a guy that doesn't care. You live on your road on top of the hill and you ride your mastercraft around the lake and you don't put upon nobody. You don't post it all over social media that you got a class somewhere or update your Instagram. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have those to promote this, but you're not promoting Richard Ray. You're promoting the job. So I say all that to say it makes no sense to me why we say, oh, well, NFPA says your helmet expires, your gear expires. That's cool. All right. I hear you. But NFPA also says you're supposed to have four on a truck. Right. Right. <laughs> so you, you either follow all of it or you follow none of it. We don't pick and choose. Well, well, I'm not trying to step on toes here, but let me ask you if, this. If it does offend anybody, pick your damn feet up off the floor. Wee! How many Rick, f- Richard, how m- Richard's already off yeah, the floor. Mine already <laughs> off the floor. I can't reach the floor with the chair I'm sitting in. How, how many fire chiefs will go out and pl- won't play golf unless they have a minimum of four on the golf course? Ooh. <laughs> that stings. You know what I'm saying? I mean, let, let's let's be honest here. I mean, we, we want we, – it's, it, you make a very good point. We, we preach NFPA. You know, if your gear's 10 years older, you got to take it out of service. If your helmet's 10 years older, it's got to come out of service. You know, are you following the NFPA standard for live fire? Which I think you should. Um, but are we doing all this NFPA stuff? But yet when it gets to the staffing piece, it gets to the staffing piece. We, 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 we want to, we're going to take exception to that. We're not necessarily going to follow that. And I don't understand why that is. I don't, I don't, I don't. Because that costs a lot of money to staff somebody. Oh, no doubt. You're talking $300,000 for three people today. Health insurance, insurance, everything else that goes along with the benefits package. And and that don't include getting them trained. That's correct. You know, so. And then what kind of training are they getting? (laughs) Right. Are they getting training from somebody that doesn't ride the truck? Are they getting training from somebody that goes to one fire a year? Right. (laughs) Right. So, so it's funny you, you say that. I was, uh, yesterday I was talking with an individual who was telling me about a fire that they had been on recently. And, you know, the, where the fire was located, the, the crew that went in said they couldn't find it, they couldn't find it, they couldn't find it, searching for it. It was obvious that the building was on fire and they were having trouble finding it, right? And so another crew co- goes in, goes right to where the same crew was originally standing and said, yeah, we found it in here. Well, it was an attic fire, and apparently the initial company only only poked a small hole in the ceiling and couldn't see anything rather than, hey, let's, let's, open, get, it up. let's open it up and see what we got. 
The building is on, you can stand outside and see that the building is on fire. There's no question. Right. You know, and so the point there is, is that, you know, the experience piece, right? The And this is kind of where I get on a soapbox too. Everybody wants to argue that fires are down. I've looked at numbers. I would argue that fire calls aren't down. You tell me a fire department today in America that's running less calls than they were last year. Fact. Tell you if you can find one, I, I'm all about it. So we talk about structure fires, and we talk about, you know, well, well, we're not going to as many of them that are on fire. Hundred percent. I, I I would agree that we're not getting the working incidents that we maybe we used to have. I think we're still getting the runs, but maybe not the working incidents to a certain degree. But let me ask you this: What has changed? Well, technology has been the changer, right? And everybody says, yeah, you know, early detection systems, you got sprinklers, you got this. How about the cell phone in your pocket? Think about it. When, when John, Jeremy, when we were coming up as kids, we were taught that you had an exit plan. You practiced the exit plan. You go outside to your meeting place. That's right. And then where did you go? You went to the neighbor's, neighbor's house to call 911. Now, what's the time delay there? It, 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 you, you know huge. What it's a huge time delay, right? Well, now... Most folks sleep with their cell phone, mm-hmm. right? So when they get up, and they, so the point here is, is that a lot of times we're getting there a whole lot. What might be a water can job that it's, it's you know a kitchen fire that's extended up to the to the cabinets. cabinets. It's it's not. I mean, it's it's a straightforward deal, right? You go in, it's it's a kitchen fire. I, I, I use the can, knock it down. Oh, maybe I need to stretch a line. Did that hurt saying that, that you no, use a can? No, uh-uh, because it's got water in it, so oh. it's all good. And it's a smooth bar as well on the end of it. Uh, you had to put your thumb over to make it a fog. So. <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. I'm glad that it's Sunday, boys, because we are going to church. <laughs> so, uh, Can I get an amen? <laughs> somebody, somebody keep your hand on your wallet. Richard going to pass the plate in a minute. <laughs> Boy. So, so you know, a, a mattress fire even now, right? Like, I mean, so what are they, again, how many mattress fires have you been to that ended up being a water can job too? Produced a lot of smoke, but it was a water can job. So you talk about the true working incidents where fire, where fire officers are, are, are pushed to make a decision. We need more of them in this service, right? We just, we just need that kind of decision making. You know, I think about our military service, and God bless them and thank them for everything they do for us. Thank you for your service. Yes, thank you. And it's not, I just don't mean thank that. Thank you for your support. I just don't mean that that lightly. But look at what they do training-wise and how well prepared they are to make a decision at that moment of truth. And they don't necessarily have experience to lean on outside of the training that they've got. And I think that's kind of where the fire service needs to really get to. If, if we're, if we're going to really embrace this, that we're getting there early on in the event or that we're getting there and it's not as significant as it used to be, how do we, <clears throat> how do we build up that knowledge base? How do we help gain experience if, 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 if we're going to play the game if the fires are down? Well, I would contend this. Think about the number of fires you've been to. You get there. There might be a line on the ground. You kind of get there delayed into the event. You walk up to the front yard, speak to command. You're here waiting on an assignment. Command tells you to stage. Are you jaw jacking between each other? 
Or are you watching the building, watching what's going on? Are you looking at truck position? Are you looking at ladder placement? Are you looking at line position? What are the conditions telling you? What are you gaining from every run that you're going on? Because if you're not gaining experience from every run that you're going on, you're losing and missing out. Even right. on a silly medical job that we right. don't want to go to. Right, because how much information, think a, a silly medical call, how much information can you get about a building when you go in there? Or when you, when you, I mean. The layout, yeah. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, one of the engine companies that I used to ride in Durham, <sighs> love that place. There was as much information gained on the medical calls as it was on the fire calls about the buildings that we were going in. And, and there was a guy that I worked with down there that uh, his knowledge of that area and some of those buildings was just, I mean, it's just unbelievable. But he's, he's a student, he's a student of, the, of the craft, right? I mean, he, he takes every opportunity to learn, and I think, I think that's one of the things that we really have to, we have to push, especially in our new firefighters and those that are new coming into the job, is that, hey, you got to make the most of every experience afforded to you, be it on the training ground or be it on the fire ground. And this, this whole nonsense about people can't go on fires and learn, that's a, that's a crock of crap. Anybody that says that a person that goes on the fire ground and just stands there and watch can't learn anything, they got their head stuck slam up their ass. And, and, and that, you can't, not everybody has the opportunity to put hands on and do it, but they can certainly watch it and pick up and go back and maybe do a, a drill on it back at the fire station. Right. Can they not do that? You know, so <clears throat> that that's kind of, you know, and you talk about safety. The best, the best, the safest firefighter is the most competent firefighter. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you something, piggybacking off competent. In your experience, why are competent guys, albeit flawed, loud, arrogant? I want an arrogant guy. I want a whole battalion full of arrogant dudes. I want the craziest dude on the fire ground coming to rescue my family. No doubt. I want the craziest guy out there. I want him to be trained. Want him to be good. I want him to be good, but I want the craziest one out there. That's right. I just don't understand why we say, "Oh, well, his personality doesn't gel." So we're gonna, we're not. I've, 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 I've sat a part of hiring processes where guys will not be hired because they. I was the only person saying that's who you want. Uh, he, he, he's too. He's too aggressive. Well, well the, the, I think that's a cop-out because the leadership don't want to deal with the individual. They don't want to give them a chance and work with them. But why should they, Why should leadership – leadership's not the one managing the person. Uh, that's what I don't understand. Like, yeah. and why – this is something else I don't understand. We are in a crisis right now. Your agency's hiring 50. The next agency over that's a metropolitan agency is hiring 50. Wearing European helmets, but they're doing it. Right. They're right. hiring 50. Another big municipality to the western part of the state is hiring a whole slew of people. Yeah. Do you think maybe we should go – we want that those rogues. I'll say it, rogues. I mean, Carl Hamlin's a rogue. Yeah. I want that dude coming for me. Amen. I want his people. Amen. I do not want these, uh, these people that are touchy-feely. You know, I, I don't care about that. We have lost so much. Staff Sergeant, you can probably think, speak of this in the military. I mean, has has things gone soft? Again, I uh, I'm going to speak on my 
on behalf of myself, not yeah, on sure. behalf of my organization. Sure. Uh, but yes, um, to an extent, um, especially when we're in garrison, you know, we're not actually actively engaged in war, but uh, we do still we train like we play. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, if naturally we can't like we we still train with live fire, live fire exercises. So if somebody slips up, somebody you know f's up, then somebody's getting hurt. Um, Real which, world shit, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it, absolutely, things are getting soft. Um, it, it's it's the new generation. To be honest with you, brother. When did you when did you graduate basic? Uh, March thirtieth of two thousand twelve. East Coast or West Coast? East Coast. So you went to Paris? Paris Island, yes. Sir. That was a good time. Yeah? Best three months of my life. All expenses paid vacation to <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> I, mean, I, I definitely got on the wrong buzz because they told me I was going to Disney World. And, well, those counselors were not very nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> no, I. it makes sense, Richard, that, that – I mean, I get it. We don't want problem children, but problem children – Aggressive firefighters are the ones that are getting, and they're not, this is going to sound so bad, it's an oxymoron. They're the ones that are getting jammed up. They're the guys that are having to bail out windows or the guys that are having to, you know, find a secondary means of egress. But those are the guys making the push to the fire floor or to the fire room. And we look down upon that. We look down upon that. Went to a fire very recently. I did. Third in, first line through the door. What the fuck? So, so, so <laughs> let, let me tell you about, about an experience. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm working with a fire department right now that, um, I've been doing a lot of work with them and, and they've got a secret sauce, bro. It's, it's, it's a good place. People are not leaving. People are staying. Um, they're making change. Um, their leadership is just, is just on point. But, um, I was up there doing <clears throat> hose and nozzle stuff. That's all right. I'm sure that's a shocker to you. Fireman's helpers. Right. Oh. <laughs> so, so we were up there doing some training, and they and they get a run for a structure fire call, right? And they're going out in the county, and um, it was 18 minutes from where I was standing to this fire call. So uh, the, the battalion chief that I'm with, I'm like, hey, are we going? They're like, yeah. All right, so I get, I get in the, the buggy. The engine's already left. So we're going out in the county, and uh, – I said, how far are we going again? She's 18 minutes away. I'm like, hmm, okay. So <clears throat> the engine that left in front of us calls command. There's already an engine company on scene. Right. There's already an incident command established. The engine company calls command and says, we're about a mile out. What assignment do you have for us? The answer was, the line is stretched to the front door waiting on you. Shut up. Shut up. 18 minutes. This, these people's house is probably. Oh. John Wayne time. So, yeah. so, 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 of course, when I got there, I said, what can I do? And the battalion chief said, well, there's two air packs in this vehicle. There's an extra air pack on the engine. What do you want to do? See you on the fire floor. There you go. So, you know, I mean, and, and it's, and again, I was up there again. Doing more hose and nozzle stuff with them. Um, get to run to a different part of the county for a fire. Get there. And um, the fire department that got there first, um, they actually had a daytime staff. So it was one firefighter. 
Mm. Okay. And he's working his ass off. Working his ass off to address this fire. And it was a fire that he could address, right? He could... It was on the, the... The fire was showing from the Delta side. He had a doorway and two windows that fire was blowing out of, right? So, I mean... He, he stretched a line to the fire. He started He started addressing the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So we get there, and, you know, first thing I'm like, well, what, what do you want me to do? So for you truck guys out there that <laughs> like to get on me about truck work, truck monkey, <laughs> I asked the officer, I said, hey, man, what, tell me what you want to do. Well, well, let's make sure we got the line in position. Okay, I'm good with that. So I get up there with him, and I'm like the fifth one in line to make it through <laughs> the door. So I'm like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> Drop the knob. <laughs> so I said, I said to the officer, I said, hey, and this was really good for me, by the way. I said, hey, how about I take another entrance and go ahead and initiate a search? He's like, yeah, that'll work. Textbook, right? You got the line going through the door. It's three or four firefighters there. Why not hop on another entrance and start searching? Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> so the front door, I didn't get to force it because it was, it was, it, it, it kind of come down. So it was, I just had to push it out of the way. <laughs> so I go in and I start, I start searching, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's some, it's some decent heat. I mean, and it's, 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 it's black, which for, for chief, it's been a while since I'd been searching in that kind of environment. So it was really good for me. <laughs> it was really good, right? So so I get the living room search. It's ranch style house. So I'm headed down the head down the, the hallway there. I catch the first room on the left. Do like we say do, like like what the UL studies have proved. I go in, I search the room, I close the door behind me, search it, tried to get the window up so I could ventilate that room. Didn't work. Whatever. So I come back out, close the door, hit the next room. Well, now it's time to come across and catch the last bedroom um, at the end of the hallway. And I go to hit the door, and it's locked. And I said, a locked interior door, right? This is, this is stuff that you that you got to work in certain places to experience. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Or train with us. Or, right? <laughs> in right? the ghetto. So, so I'm like, well, this will be good. I've got... I've, I've got Got my Halligan bar. I'm searching. I'm doing truck work. I'm getting ready to have to force a door in zero visibility. And it's it's like I said, it 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 was warm, and uh and so it was it was cool, right? I mean, it. If I'm if I'm being real here, I'm going to tell you that it got me a little bit out of my comfort zone. I, I'm just going to be real with right. you. Um, and I can tell you that that's exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. I needed to get out of my comfort zone. Because I needed that, I needed to grow, I needed to get better, and and that was a good test for me, right? And and like I said, you know, the whole, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that uh, the interior door was textbook, but it was forced. Did it get open? It got open. So you know, when you, when you start when you start thinking about, you know, organizations and the hiring and people coming in and and what we're facing and and these long response times that some people have got. I mean, it it it's all around us, friend. We're, we're it's close to us. That's not that's not a far fetched thing, right? I mean, I, I can tell you that um, in my volunteer department, we had a fire um, back in the fall of last year where the fire station sat one mile from the house that was on fire, 
and our mutual aid department beat us in. That's the that's the our mutual aid department beat us in. Not only did they beat us in, they laid the feed line from the hydrant. Damn. That's that's the volunteer world now. You know, I mean, guys are not shopkeepers are not letting people leave. No. You know no. the and the restaurant next to the firehouse or the the car dealership down the road or the shopkeeper that runs the print shop or they're not letting people leave. That's right. And so, you know, that's one crux we face currently is trying to get staffing in the firehouses and it's rough. You mentioned forced entry <clears throat> and I want to take this is this is the May podcast. Um the Tunnel to Towers training is taking place June the 3rd in Patchogue, uh, Long Island, New York. The details for that are all over Facebook and Firehouse Innovations social media. Uh, just got off the phone, uh, we all did, with Mike Perone this morning. Something cool for the Blue Door is that the uh, it's now going to be on wheels. Aftermarket right. wheels. So <laughs> Big John says, yay! Just <laughs> we, don't wear flip-flaps. Yeah, don't wear flip-flaps when you move the door. But... Uh, we, uh, we're, we're happy to announce that for him, but we're going to talk about our partners real quick that help us go up and down the road and provide some of the best training that folks have told us that they've ever had. Uh, Firehooks Unlimited, don't be fooled by imitators. Box 1971 is an authorized trainer and distributor for Firehooks Unlimited tools. Thanks to Captain Farrell for all of his contributions at 92 years old. We're going to see him in just under a month. We're excited to see him. Absolutely. Firehouse Innovations, we just mentioned them. They've got over 2,500 doors in use. We're proud to use utilize both doors. Uh, that we have the crush door prop and the HT 175. Uh, this one's a personal favorite of Richard Ray, Akron Brass. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> flow, mo- flow meters, nozzles, appliances. Akron Brass doesn't need catchy slogans, they just give you water. Uh, old Pappy's Tool Lube, don't be a fool, lube your tool. Uh, we have been recently using their uh, grip wrap on uh, some of our tools, giving that a test run. We are very, very happy with that, as well as the old Pappy's Tool Lube. First in leather, Mikey Hillman up there in Maryland. Use Box 1971 uh, code for a 10% discount on $50 or more when you order from First in Leather. Rock Rooster Boots, every strip matters. Be the cock of the walk and rock out with your cock out. That's Rock Rooster. Amen. And Thompson Multimedia, if you can imagine it, Shooter Thompson can make it happen. Awards, trophies, graphics, decals, or vehicle wraps, Thompson Multimedia is a one-stop shop for all of those needs. I have to tell you, I feel like the Grinch, Chief. Why you feel like the Grinch, man? Because my heart just grew hearing that you forced a door and you had a Halligan in your hand. You've you've talked the can, you've talked Halligans, you've talked truck work, but you're an engine guy. So you you rode a very busy engine for the majority of your career. Uh, that's actually where I met you. Uh, we did some fools training together. <clears throat> I want to touch on something real quick because mm. three of us here were or are members of fools organizations. When I became a fool, I it was a very cloak and dagger thing. I asked about it. I was told it was like the Masons of firefighting. You had to ask one to be one. It wasn't a popularity contest. It was a, okay, this guy meets the grade. He's a good fireman. Let's bring him in, is what I was told by the people that brought me in. I was told to be at the firehouse at a certain time. My lieutenant picks me up. I said, where are we going? He didn't answer me. We rode for 30 minutes, went to this fire chief's house. And I was introduced to the foolish lifestyle. My wife became a fool. Um, And it was about brotherhood and camaraderie and doing the right thing for other people. Now it seems to be only about training, which is not a bad thing, but it seems that that's the only focus. I don't see any of the other, 
you know, other than FDIC, right, the Brotherhood Bash, or you go to Safer, they've got the, the Bash, right? right? But that seems to be all it's about. It doesn't seem to be like it's guys getting together for collective things anymore. You know, we used to have meetings um, in uh, the great state of Wake, mm. and we would all get together, and we'd go to people's houses and do things like that, and that just doesn't happen anymore. The spouses don't seem to be involved. It seems to just be only focused on training. What do you think? Uh, I believe I believe you're correct. Uh, the training is a good thing, but you got to look at the aspect of of the job, and and that the biggest thing is is brotherhood, and going to someone's house or or going out spending time with each other. I mean, firemen tell some crazy shit when they've been drinking, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> but you know that laughter you just had right there that everybody at this table just had. That means a lot. Yeah. You know, there, there used to be, I used to know, I, I could tell you every guy that was in my original Fool's chapter, their name, their wife's name, their kids' names. And that was, that was big you for me. You sound like a damn Roger Miller song. <laughs> <laughs> is that the guy that sings for Trailer for Rent? Absolutely. That is his song. <laughs> King so, of the Road. So talking about Fool's, I have an interesting story about the fool stuff. Okay. So... I started going to FDIC in 2000. How long have you been presenting there? Since 2012. So you're on, what, 11 years now? 11 years, yeah. Humbling. Humbling. Don't take it lightly. Yeah. So don't, it's, don't take it lightly. It's a lot of fun. I met a lot of good people, a lot of friends that perished on 9-11. Uh, the great Andy Fredericks, who was before his time. Oh, man, yeah. I, so I took his last class at FDIC in 2001. Yeah. And um You wanna know something? I was in that class and we never knew it. Really? Yep. So <laughs> wow. Just um, till right now. Right, wow. So, when you said that, I was like, Holy shit. I mean I got pictures from that class. I got some pictures. Yeah. Um I wow. don't have any pictures of him, but I've got right. some pictures of, of some of the stuff that we did. Right. Um but I remember walking the halls of the convention center and these guys come up to me and said Hey, man. Hey, brother. You want to be a part of the Fools? I'm like, well, well, what is it? Well, come over here and let me tell you about it. Right. And that, and I was like, wait a minute. And so that was my first exposure to the Fools, right? And um, and it was with, these guys were, I think, from Orlando is where they were from. Yeah, and big, big-time Fools down there. Yeah, and um, so, you know, that was, that, man, that was cool, right? Um Another cool story about FDIC, not to get off the, the fool stuff, but um, it was in 2001. Again, uh, <clears throat> I'm walking the halls with a buddy of mine. and We uh, apologize for the guineas in the background. It's all good. And uh, <laughs> these two guys grabbed us and said, hey, come over here to this, this side hallway. And I'm like, wait a minute. You, know, you, you don't, you don't want to – I'm not sure that I want to go down this hallway, but – but anyway, so... We've got candy. Yeah, the, the, right, <laughs> right. So what's interesting is, is that that was the original prototype for the DRD that's in the jackets now. This guy, he put he put the jacket on. He said, grab this device. He said, what do you think about this for, you know, we're, we're trying to get a lot of input from firefighters up here. And so it's like, holy cow, you know. And so then 9-11 happens, right? And I think about the impact of FDIC 2001 on my career. 
and it's huge, man. To be able to to be asked about the full stuff, to be able to 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 see the the, the prototype of the first drag rescue device that's in turnout gear now, and then to have had a class with with the late Andy Fredericks. I mean, it's just those are opportunities that that I know come from the good Lord above. That it's nothing that Richard Ray did. Um, right place, right time. Right? Absolutely. You know, and uh, and so <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, but you getting getting back to the fool stuff. You know, I, I remember the the last the last safer bash that I went to. That was in Raleigh. That was run by the the, the fools there. I mean, the, the wives and all were participating. They were capital area. Yeah, they were they were doing stuff right. They were running the tables. They were actively involved. You know, and it's but but you're right now. It, it, it I think it is more of a focus on on training. You 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 look around social media and and a lot of the fools chapters. They're they're hosting training events. You know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just. You don't hear of doing the good deeds like uh, St. Baldrick's or, you know, doing things for people. We don't have to publicize everything we do. Hell, I get criticized by every partner that I mention here. We need you to be more active. We need you to be more active. We don't need to post everything we're doing. Right. <laughs> and I tell exactly. folks, exactly. may your life be as good on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter space, or whatever you're doing as it is on all those. May your life be that good. Because, you know, it's it's tough. You know, and I'm not I'm not crying or complaining. I'm just it, it baffles my mind that it went from an organization what I thought it was to what it is presently, if that sure. makes sense. Sure, sure. You know, because I think one of the last trainings I did with with the Capital Area Fools was uh, was it a, was it the house burning? Because I think I no, think we, we did one after that. We went to the training facility. Training center, yeah. That was af- I thought that was before the house burning. No, that house burning about got out of control, though. We had to, we had to go do some work. Real time. You know, we got video of that inside, right? No. Oh, yeah, Bo. Yeah, it's not public. You won't find it on the internets. Yeah, that'll get us in trouble. There was some, there was some Wild West shit going on. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. You know, one of those firefighters now is an acting battalion chief. That's terrible. That's scary. Is it the same one that almost burnt the house down? That's scary. Because uh, when you have to take the nozzle out of somebody's hand that's already a captain... Yeah, that's scary. So, wow, wow. <laughs> so, what's what's next for you? What's what's next in this career for you? For Richard, well, the Richard. Ray. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I I was approached about something um, a couple weeks before FDIC um, about a project. I can't really speak on it. Sure. But um, alphabet soup type shit. Mm, yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, I'm number one. Let me say that I, I was humbled to even be considered. Sure. I was even more humbled to be asked. And now that that I'm, this project, I, I kid you not, I'm excited. I'm happy, nervous, and scared to death all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> like riding a fire truck for the first time, right? That's you right. Know? So um, so. Got that. Um, if I if I'm just being honest, what's next for Richard Ray is is really, for some they might blow it off, but for me it's just being better than I was yesterday. Sure. And not necess- and, and 
and not just in the fire service realm, but being a better husband and a better dad and being a better son and brother sure. than I was the day before. Because we only get one trip around this around around this thing called life and um you know, I've I've made some mistakes along the way and, and I don't I don't want to duplicate those, right? Sure. You had regrets? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not even one little letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Regrets, yeah. Um, so as far as though fire service, you know, I'm uh, I'm continuing on with the battalion chief stuff. I'm I'm still actively involved in uh, in some training. I have by happenstance entered into some consultant work that's led to more training. Um, and, and I'm gonna tell you now that's that piece of the fire service has been really cool, right? being able to go and evaluate a fire department, look at what they've got, look at what they're doing, and say, you know, you, we can continue on this track or we can make some changes and we can make it better. But the, the trick is is to make them efficient in their operation with their tools and equipment and their staffing because it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of world in the fire service, right? I mean, what's what works for... A large municipality in the west part of the state doesn't work for a small volunteer department in the southern end of the county. <laughs> so right? it's funny you mentioned that, what works. This is David Radick's handwriting. <laughs> you know what's in here? It's pr- <laughs> it looks like it's about the size of a pistol grip. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it says pistol grip for in case <laughs> hell ever freezes over. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep it here. I've never unwrapped it. I'll keep that till the day I die. <laughs> so, so, so let's talk about Redick a little bit. Um, man, just what a, what an individual, right? I can't – the impact that he's had in my career and, and in my personal life is just uh, – that is a great human being. And, um, and you know, he's – like you said, he's, he's not about slogans. He's about the work. And um, he's, he's a humble cat. You know, he won't tell you that he's, he's got he's, – he's newly promoted and he's got a new big job now and – Nope. He won't tell you that. You have to ask him about that. And uh, but like I said, the, the friendship that I have with him, um, again, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. I tell you exactly how it happened. A guy that I don't even talk to now. They talk about how people come in your life for a season, and then they they roll on. I truly believe this one particular individual that come in my life for a short season set the motion for the hose and nozzle stuff for me. Right. So. This guy calls me up. He says, "Hey, uh, and this is on this is on the heels of, of thermal imaging, right? We had done some thermal imaging with the department, and this guy's like, I know you're into to engine work. I know you're you do a lot of stuff there.' He said, um, "I got two people I want you to meet." He said, "Can you can you get the training facility for me on a day you're at work?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So. <clears throat> we make it happen. I meet Reddick for the first time. I also meet a guy by the name of Mark Lighthill, um, and he was he's from Kehoe's. Um, and so that really lit the fire for my hose and nozzle stuff, right? And so what I learned that day in, in a short two hours was, well, we, we got a lot of work with our organization. What we thought we were doing that was right, it wasn't right. What we were telling our people to do, 
you, you you only know what you know, right? You don't know what you don't know. So to to have information that that you could empower your people and give them good information where it it it, it improves the fire department and makes it better, you know, that that's 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 humbling and powerful stuff to be a part of. And and to be able to have those guys come in and they were, I mean, it was no fluff. There were no slogans. Straight to the point. Straight to the point. And one of them said, you know, if you're looking to make this change in your fire department, this is how you got to do it. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. That kind of pissed me. Because I'm like, look, dude, I'm just, I, number one, I've realized a lot of mistakes that I've made in two hours today. And, I, and, and I'm a little beat up right now, right? But don't, I, I'm, I feel like I might know how to sell it to my department but i will take the information because i'm not above it right mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all about if you if you're willing to help me i'm gonna sit here and take the information and do what i can and uh and of course that's that got the that that was the snowball effect and um you know it it pushed us to new hose new nozzles new hose loads at work um and We've seen a movement in this area with the hose and nozzle stuff. And I, you know, I, I told you about the department that I was doing some consultant work with. Um, I had the opportunity to flow test the three major manufacturers of nozzles apples to apples, apples to apples. And let me say that all of them make a great product. I fully believe that. Um, I think your 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 purchasing decision comes in in who's going to service you, who's going to give you a better deal, because the performance is not noticeable by the end firefighter. Say that one more time. The end the performance that, uh, between the three manufacturers. So you you let's say you have a nozzle that has. I, what I was flowing was. Um, Smoothbore tip, 7 eighths, and the fog nozzle was a 160 at 50. On a 1.88 or 175? On a 1.88. Okay. okay. So same hose, just the only thing that changed was the tip. The only thing I changed were the nozzles. I regret not taking more pictures. Take more pictures in the fire service. That's, you know, that's a hard thing. I think I've talked about that before. I had a fire chief when I first started out that was... We used to have the 35-millimeter cameras, you know, the disposables. Yeah. You'd take them to Walmart and have to wait three days to get them back. Yeah. Then you had our photo. We were chastised for taking pictures. So, like, when you said you had pictures, like, it, it made me shudder because I was like, that's one thing that, like, I still have trouble with. 42 years old, bro. Still have trouble with it. Yeah. Because that one chief, what a prick he is, still alive, ruined that for me. And, and it sucks, man. It does. And you know, they say, oh, well, you can't let one person ruin it. Well, when that one person has absolute control of your career. Yeah. You know? But anyways, enough so, with this. So so that particular day, though, you know, and so here, here's kind of how it went down, right? They, they called me up there. This department calls me up there and says, hey, we want to talk to you. Okay. What do you want to talk to me about? Well, we just, we just want to talk to you about fire stuff. Okay. So I go up there, and we get to talking about hose and nozzles, which I think was really the, the original intent. And uh, 
I get up there and I'm like, y'all have got these two manufacturers. Where's the third manufacturer? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, you can't do a true comparison if you don't have all the players in the game, in my opinion. Uh, absolutely. I said, um, I said, you got to have, you've, you've got to have, you got to have all the players there. And so in doing so, um, we, we get to talking and I'm like, so I call my buddy <clears throat> Reddick and I said, Hey man, here's what I've got. This is what I need. And I need it in pretty short order because we're going to do some testing. And, um, and so he, uh, he gets me to stuff and, uh, I'm showing him the picture of Evan. I'm sorry. He, uh, he gets me to stuff and I, and I go up there and, uh, and, and, and meet with this fire department, which, which by the way, it's, it, it's, it's a fire department near here. Um, and, uh, I've been doing a lot of training with them ever since like monthly training. And, uh, so we get out on the training grounds and they've got both companies there. Um, the on duty that day and some other folks come in and I said, all I'm doing is I'm going to run a pedo gauge and I'm going to show you the flow meter. I'm not doing anything else. And the products sold their self. Right. I didn't have to do anything. And, and, and the, and the point that I'm getting at is, is that everybody wants to get into, well, if you, you know, if you if you follow some of the social media stuff, it's mm. if you don't if you don't buy this product, you're you're not buying the right stuff. It's not right. Blah blah. You have to you you have to stay within your means. You have to afford what what you can buy, and but you have to make a good decision about the purchase. You have to understand. You've got to have knowledge. You got to understand. All right. So if I put this nozzle with this hose, this is what's going to happen. This is my my pressure is this. This is my coefficient. This is what my PDP is. Oh, wait a minute. That doesn't seem right. Oh, well that's the friction loss inside the pump. Talk about an aha moment. Mm-hmm. People don't think about friction loss in the pump. And and so when you start looking at, hey, let, let's let's not just evaluate hose and nozzle. Let's talk about your 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 pump operator training, you know, or your or your your firefighters and drivers are they pumping what they're supposed to be doing? And here's how you have this. This are is they when hitting you, the pump commander, right? Hey, right. You, be, you don't put it on 150 and let it bump. No, <laughs> no, oh, oh, so okay. so 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 I mean, it, it's it's really I mean, and and I, like I said, I wish I had, and I'm not. Again, I'll tell you that I've got friends from all three of the nozzle manufacturers. Likewise. Um, all three, and 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 it will it will be that way because I'm that kind of a guy, right? You're agnostic. I, I'm I'm going to be that kind of guy, and so don't use big words. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, so you know it's um you know you have to again what what's your service going to be? You know who who are you working with? Um, you know, there, there's also a piece about loyalty that I think some people miss out on in the fire service. Mm. Um, and it's more about what can, what just what can I get rather than be, than being loyal to, to who you're working with and what you're doing. I mean, if, if you're if you're being true to who you are, if you need to make a change and you've done the right thing, 
people are going to understand. If you can, if you can articulate the why with, with facts, with knowledge. There, there's nothing anybody. I mean, you can't. You the truth is the truth. Facts are facts. You can't dispute them, mm-hmm. right? And that's there's so much smoky mirror crap going on that um, you know. I, I think there's been a lot of work that's being done with. Um, hose and nozzles now. I mean, you've got 1.75, you got 1.88, you got two inch. Now you got two and a quarter, and you got two and a half. And now we've got we, we've coming out with all these different tip sizes, and 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 it's and it's mind boggling to me because I think I think we're muddying the water. I'm not saying that the work that hasn't been done isn't great because it is outstanding work, and to be able to find, let's talk about the two and a quarter. I'm. I don't have any. I'm a two and a half kind of guy. Do you need some two and a quarter? <laughs> I, I don't I have know a any. Guy. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to. Let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Push pause. So I know you're a proponent of key, <clears throat> and we are partnered with Matex. Mm-hmm. Toby Matthews is who made key what key is. He's the man, and he left key and went to the other side of Dothan, and opened up Matex. So really, it's tit for tat. It's what's your pleasure. So that's that, that's a great point because whether it's hose, nozzles, if you're buying apples for apples, most of the time it is. Yep. And so, so anyway, my my point here is is that I think a lot of times we give too many choices, right? Mm-hmm. There's too many choices, and the fire ground is hard enough as it is. Don't complicate it with a, you know, I've got, a, I've got this line for this fire, this line for this fire, this line for this fire, this line for this fire. When you have, I, I'm a big line, little line kind of guy. I like the inch. If you like 1.75, great. If you like two and a quarter, great. I'm 1.88, I'm two and a half. I like, I like flow, okay? Because I believe that's what wins on the fire ground. But... When I'm when I'm making that decision, right? When I pull up on that fire and I look at it and I'm like, is this a is this is this a small line or a big line fire? It's pretty simple. Is it a small line or a big line fire? It's not. Do I need an intermediate size line with a, you know, an inch and sixteenths tip, or, you know, we have one point eight eight hose, so we need to we need to back the tip size down a little bit so we can get, have some back pressure. I, there's to me, sometimes I think the fire service, as good as we can, we are and can be, I think sometimes we're our own worst enemy. And I, and I think the automatic nozzle is a perfect example of that. Mm. I have no, no history, no, because I don't care about the automatic nozzle. But what I will tell you is, is that think about it for a minute. Here you have an automatic nozzle. We'll take, the, uh, we'll, we'll take a manufacturer. They produce a SM30F. Okay. And it's got a flow range of 75 GPMs all the way up to 325 GPMs. Well, you know you're not going to flow 325 GPMs out of, a, out of that, that inch and three-quarter line or inch and a half line. You're not going to do that. Right. So you, you, you're not going to – so what happens is, is that now what I think we've done is that we've taken that nozzle – this was back in the day, 
firefighters, chiefs come up and said, look, can you give me a nozzle that I can use either on the inch and three quarter or the two and a half? And I only have to buy one nozzle. Never mind the fact that you can buy three smoothbores for the price of that one nozzle. Never mind that fact. And get a better flow. And get a much better flow. <laughs> but but, but I, I've got a nozzle now where all i got to do is put a cone reducer on the end of the two and a half, and now I've got now I've got a nozzle. And, and, Big water. And, and, and the thing is, is that when you, when you start educating people about the design, the why, even though I don't know if that was truly the, the reason why automatic nozzles come to fruition, I don't know that. I suspect that, but I don't know it. But when you start, when you, when you again, you, you said it earlier, when you talk about common sense and logic, <laughs> um, one would have to believe that. And, and so... I, I'm just uh, I, I'm a simple kind of guy. Don't don't muddy the water for me, you know. And I and I do like two and a half because I think two and a half gives me some options, um, not just on the fire ground, but in a pumping world too. I mean, when you start looking at FDCs, when you start looking at deluge gun flows, and, and I mean, I, I just, to me, I. I like the two and a half. It's a great tool. And I'm not intimidated by the two and a half because my daddy raised me on two and a half inch hose to the point where there have been numerous fires that he and I would go to where I would be stretching the small line and he's stretching the two and a half and it's a race to see who can get water on the fire first. <laughs> now, for shall, those... Shall I tell you who lost? <laughs> for those that don't know you, you're not a very tall, statured person. Not a very big-bodied man. Just an average-sized man, right? Big heart. Big heart. <laughs> heart bigger than Dallas. When, when you talk about maneuverability of two and a half, and how do you how do you combat with people? I know how we combat it. It's vitriol, just anger. Right. But how you're more mild-mannered than our cadre is. How do you combat the people that say, "Well, that's just we're not doing that. We don't have the water supply." So, so I, again, think about the, okay, so let's take the water supply approach from it, right? Sure. Wh- why are we pulling the two and a half in the first place? Big fire or big building. Right. So if it's a big building, chances are it's got some form of a water system on the property or a municipal water system supplying it somewhere close by. But think about it. I think the big line is used for, hey, let's equalize this fire, right? Because what happens in a commercial building when you knock the main body of fire down with a two and a half? You go to a smaller line for mop-up. That's right. Punch it in the throat. Right? So to me, I take the approach of we're going to punch it in the throat, we're going to knock it out, and we're going to move to a smaller line. And the thing of it is is that when you do that, when you take that approach with it, yeah, there are going to be times where, you've, where you're going to have to flow some water, but there are a lot of times, more times than not, where you hit it, and you, if you position the line right and you get good water on the fire, you're good. You're good. But there was, there was something I said there. You have to position the line right. Right. you got to get the position right. How do you feel about stretch and dry? So I'm all about stretch and dry. I actually have a story about stre- stretch and dry if you're interested. Um, so... I'm all about doing it when I can. Sure. Uh, conditions 
conditions drive it for me. Sure. Um, if I have a dirty hallway in a high-rise building, I'm probably not going to stretch dry down the hallway. Yeah, common sense. Common, common sense, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I got a couple examples that I, I can I can play out in my fire service career. One that I was actively, I was actually on the line. Um, I was, we reported structure fire, we get there. It, it, it's a one-room fire and we get there. So, um, you know, we get the line off. We make it all the way to the fire room inside the house because the officer wanted to go dry and i'm like okay pitter patter you know we'll, we'll go so we get in there and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting for water fire starts to burn through the luan door mm-hmm. <laughs> so we back up it continues to burn it continues to come to us and when we when we finally exit the building we we were probably compromised a little more than what we should have been. Okay, sure. However, if you know, shoulda woulda coulda, if the, the there hadn't been an issue with getting water in the line, stretch and dry wouldn't have been an issue because it would have been an open and closed case once the water hit the nozzle. Right. Boom. So I mean, it was in my opinion, it wasn't a bad call. It was not a bad call. It just that bad execution. Bad execution. Okay, um, and it was, you know, again, here we have a truck that was, you know, checked and it actually pumped on a smaller fire earlier in the day. They get, it pulls up in front of the house, on fire. They can't get it, can't get the truck to engage all mm. because they didn't seek the throttle all the way back. Mm. So mm. that, that's what, that was what caused it. But the better example that I've got is, um. And this guy's retired now, and he, in his day, he was a damn good fireman, too. Um, he was working on the north side of town um, in a very nice subdivision. And uh, they get there. They're by themselves, three-person three, three crew. And uh, it, it, it's a fire on the third floor of this house. Now, the third floor was kind of a finished attic. So when they accessed it, there was a closed door on the second floor that when they opened it, they hit the steps and they went right on up. They stretched dry through that big house. And it comes from experience. It comes from his knowledge and understanding of building construction and the environment in which he's operating. He was able to make that dry stretch with, with two firefighters and knock the fire out. Hmm. And so, so I think there are very appropriate times to dry stretch. Hundred percent. Sure. Um, the two and a half. You know, everybody wants to dry that. Wants to stretch that dry, and I get it because once you get water in it, it it, it does. But that's all moving. It's technique, right? Right. That that's a training issue, in my opinion. Right. Um. You know, I think one of the things, you know, we talk about the volunteer side of the service or the rural side of the service. You know, a lot of times we get these big houses that catch on fire and we stretch two and a half to the rear of the of, of the of the house and we hit it. And then, OK, now we got to move the line and it's and it's like it's pulled tight around the side. There's a lot of different things going on. But but again, I think if you go back to your fundamentals of hose stretching, what do we always require at the door? The nozzle and the coupling. Rather than just saying when we get to the door we have the nozzle and coupling, how about 
when we get to our place of firefighting, we need the nozzle in the first coupling so that you've got 50 feet to work with wherever you are, right. whether it's inside or outside, right? I can, I can think of some fires right now that I've been on that I wished I'd have had the foresight to have stretched the two and a half and made sure I had that first coupling with me rather than around the side of the house pulled tight up against a shrub, you know, and I needed to move it. Because let's, let, let's be honest, if, if you're doing your due diligence as an engine firefighter, you, you can move that two and a half a little bit by yourself. Right. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I just said you could do it. But there's also got to be some, some, some fortitude there, right? There's got to be some fortitude there. There's got to be an understanding that, hey, this is going to suck. Embrace the suck. And remember that you signed up to do a very difficult job. And this is just part of it. This is part of it. But, but again... Who, who reaps the benefit of your hard work and effort? That citizen does. Absolutely. And that should be the driving force, right? So That's who we're here for. Right? And so, so anyway, that's, so yeah, that's, that's stretch and drive for me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I, I do believe time and place is, is, is appropriate. Um, there are some chiefs, though, that because they don't have experience with burning buildings and stretching dry lines, that they find it as a big safety issue, right? And and I'm and and my argument that is as well. If your if your if your firefighters and your officers are competent, and you've done your due diligence, they know how to make the right decision. And you got to empower your people. Trust them, right? Yeah, you've got to empower them. I do want to come back and ask you a question here in a second about uh, running out of water in the uh, in the smoothbore <laughs> argument because that's one thing we constantly come back. Uh, but I want to talk about fire decks right now. They're, uh, they, their mantra is you take care of them and fire decks will take care of you. You being the responder PFAS and PFOA free turnout gear. And on average, four pounds lighter box 1971 proudly wears tech gen 71 and 51 for our training needs. Maytex hose. We've talked about them. Uh, it's gallons per second versus BTUs. No frills, no junk marketing, just water on the fire. That's what I love about Destin Kelton and Toby Matthews down there in Dothan, Alabama, uh, Milwaukee tool. Uh, is the it, they're our tool provider for everything we have is red. It's amazing the partnership we have with Milwaukee. Milwaukee, nothing but heavy duty. Seek thermal imagers making the scene unseen scene economical. Sleek, it has to be seek. We uh we view it just as a tool. Captain Farrell at Firehooks Unlimited does not have tactical halligans or tactical roof hooks. Don't buy the bullshit. Just buy a seek. You don't need to have all the other stuff that goes along with it. Crestar Firefighting Equipment, if you're tired of silly marketing or having to pay for overpriced equipment, look at Crestar. You know, the makers of redhead couplings, that's 90% of the fire service today, is made by Crestar. And lastly but not least, the first and the best in firefighter bailout equipment and rope equipment, Sterling Ropes. We can't say enough good things about the folks up there in Biddeford, Maine. They do a great job, great partner of ours. Richard, we've done a couple of uh, consultations as well uh, with hoses and nozzles and evaluations of fire department and uh, flow and water. <clears throat> the one thing I want to say is we've gotten a lot of pushback from one particular agency, a former battalion chief, said our test wasn't legit because we busted out flow meters. I think we used your flow meter. Busted out the flow meter. We had our flow meter, and we compared apples to apples right there, you know, 
uh, combination nozzle or automatic nozzle, whatever the hell we're calling them this week, versus smooth bores, um, you know, gated back and showing true flow live. He said, you can't do that. We said, why? We put gauges on the pump. We put gauges midline, and we put gauges at the uh, at the nozzle to prove the point. And he is no longer battalion chief, thank God. But <clears throat> he said the test wasn't valid because we weren't using a uh, hose tester. And I'm like, well, that doesn't move enough water. It just brings up pressure. That's that's the understanding, though. Some folks just promote people on a lucky day, right? Or they met the certification. He's turning red. <laughs> <laughs> and then he and then he takes one of. The, so one of our instructors, uh, who remained nameless, was on the end of the nozzle, uh, mm, mm. and he pumped that uh, smooth bore up north of 160. And you know, it was a uh, it was a rodeo for a second. But oh, I he, mean, he John Wayne it. He he held it, but it was whooping his ass. <laughs> I mean, he was he was doing it. But we're just talking a 200 foot stick. We're not talking you know anything crazy. But the one one conversation that always happens is if we use that smooth bore. We're going to run out of water faster. So I got your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it's Sunday. Uh, Testify. So, okay. So I, I heard that very, very comment. Right. We're, we're, we're flowing more water. We're going to run out of water. I will argue to you that if you're flowing mo more water at the end of the line, you're going to use less in fire extinguishment because you're overwhelming it. BTUs, bro. What does what is, what is, what is Colin Powell say about force? If you have to use force, use force, something that's disproportionate to the, to the end, you know, to the I, I forget exactly how it goes. But, but my point being is, is that I have been on those lines and, and been inside of a house where you open it up and you're flowing and you're flowing and you're flowing and you're flowing and you're flowing. And it, the fire just doesn't go out. I mean, I've got video of being in the fire room with a fog nozzle. Fire will not go out. I asked for a smoothbore off of my department's truck, brought right to the door, fire went out like that. You can't argue that. You can't argue that more flow will put the fire out quicker and you will use less water. People don't understand that. And penetration. I mean, you've got you've got things to think about, right? You've got the type of stream, right? It's a solid stream. You've got s stream velocity, right? How fast is it moving, right? All those things make a difference in the environment. A, a good example is think about it. You know, you, we used to teach thirty degree fog. That was what was taught. Well, think about the size of droplets that's coming out at thirty degree fog. And it hits an environment that's hot. What's the environment doing to that stream? It's killing it. it it's absorbing it. It's, the stream's not even making it to the fire. So you've got to now start cooling. It's eating more water, more time. The nut is, you know, whereas I can give you something that it's a lot of water. You punch it, it goes out. Most folks, most live burn instructors don't like smoothbore nozzles because it puts too much water on the set right the thing of it is is that I, I can i could argue that you actually flow less water with the increase in flow because you're overwhelming the fire I, I, what what's best for everybody 
right? Put the fire out, safety is achieved, correct? Exactly. I mean, think about it like this, you know, if, if and, and I might be a little bit off and y'all correct me, but I'm, I'm just thinking about, okay, I'm, I like, I, I, I used to deer hunt, right? How many 22 bullets would it take me to kill a deer versus a 270 bullet? Properly placed. Absolutely. You know what I, I mean? That that's what I'm getting at there, right? Again, you said it properly placed, line position. So <clears throat> that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, 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 yeah, okay. You can believe that, but I'm what I'm going to tell you is is that when you open that line and you hit it with that 160 or that 185, the fire's going to go out, and you're going to shut the line down, and you're not flowing water. Furthermore, this is I, I'm going to give my little kick out to UL. If you go look at their coordinated fire attack, if you go look at their stream study, and if you look at the search stuff that comes out, the average amount of water used from start to finish, and when I say finish, complete overhaul, is less than 500 gallons. So why do we need all this extra? Makes people feel comfortable comfort well i mean and, that's... And, and i'll tell you something else too it's well we've always done it that way sure we've we've always done it that way i mean we it, i'm if i i've got my computer but i, I could show y'all in a pre, i got in a presentation um a properly placed stream at 160 gpms on a two-room fire was like 123 gallons for initial knockdown. Wow. To be sure. 123 gallons. Just up in Maryland? Yeah, Delaware, yeah. Yeah. Up, up there, it was actually, at, it's Delaware County, Pennsylvania, I think, is where okay. their facility is. Is this the quote you're talking about? Perpetual op- optimism is a force multiplier. I'm talking about a gung-ho attitude that says we can change things here. We can achieve awesome goals. We can be the best. Spare me the grim litany of the realist. Give me the unrealistic aspirations of an optimist any day. Is that what you're talking about? Some something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it just it kills me the people that don't think about how things are real. Right. You know, three in the morning we pull up. We don't need to be second guessing. We need to, you know, show up and be competent. Nobody. I don't think anybody's ever stopped you and said, "Hey, are you being paid to be here? Are you volunteering?" It, nor did they care what name was on my shirt. <laughs> See, you're saying that it's okay to wear different shirts. A hundred percent. I mean, you don't care if this guy has on shorts and this guy has on long pants and no. he's wearing tennis shoes and he's wearing slip-ons? Not at all, because that doesn't make the firefighter. Mm. Mm. So Profound statements. You know. <laughs> Profound. I mean, I get it. Uniform meaning uni, meaning one, and form meaning together. I get it. I get all that too, right? But come on. <laughs> Again, <laughs> If we if we get back to, you know, I, so you, you talk about when we talk about the FDNY, I mean, just the just the organization in itself. I mean, it's just massive. They do a great job. But how many of those you go you watch videos, whatever? How many firefighters are wearing the same uniform that's on on a ninja or a ladder or a mm-hmm. truck company? Right. I mean, it's. 
I'm more concerned about your job knowledge, your desire, your aggressiveness, your willingness to help somebody in need than I am about the shirt that's on your back, the hat that you're wearing. Because at the end of the day, when I'm when when I'm having my worst day, I want a competent professional taking care of my problem. Mm-hmm. Period. In the discussion, and I don't care if it says volunteer or career. I want a professional, competent firefighter there addressing my problem. Seems I, seems like a, a, a not a utopic thought, just a normal thought from a normal person. I mean, let, let's let's be real here. So I'll tell you a story about a young man that. And John, you probably did you know Josh you mate? Yes. All right, you probably knew Josh. Yeah. So Josh, um, he had he had some tachycardic issues going on with his heart. So he had an ablation done. The doctor burned the wrong. Oh mm. shit. Hang on, don't tell this story because that's what they want me to have. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you. Oh no. I'm he, sorry. Hey, Perone had his AFib done. He's good. That's fifty percent. Yeah. Go so, ahead. Okay. So, okay. so, Josh asked the doctor, you know, how many how many mistakes have you made? And I think he'd done some three thousand some three thousand procedures with with no mistake until he did Josh. Now, what do you think Josh was expecting out of that cardiologist? The best. perfection, competency. You think he was expecting complacency? No. Do you think do you think he wanted to hear I didn't have all my tools or I didn't have enough help in the office today to help me get it? it they didn't want to hear all that. They were expecting a professional to take care of his problem and it cost him his fire service career. So my point here is is that you tell me how that's any different from a fire truck pulling up in front of a house that's on fire. What do the people want? Perfection. And let me tell you something. Competency, yeah. And let me tell you something. The way the way things are, I'm sorry, but if you're receiving taxpayer dollars, there's a level there that you need to be at. And for God's sakes, don't come out the front door and high five. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about again, pictures. Right. I like, but but there is a time and a place. That's right. Not in front of the homeowner. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, that that's where I'm at with it. You know. So and if you're gonna do it, be discreet. Right. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. plan it and then take it and get on. You know, don't stand there for 20 minutes. You know, look trying at trying to get the right picture. The salt right? look. Yeah. yeah. The salt look. So. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting. That is interesting. Well, what is the military? You have a zero fail mission, right? We do. And your job, what is your job in the military? Personally, my job? Yeah. I fix helicopters. So if I do not do my job mm. to a at 100% at all times, then birds, they fall out of the sky. They're not designed to fly they, anyways. They're not designed to fly anyway. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's 100% correct. <laughs> they're beating the air into submission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we uh we have this term that we go by at work that complacency kills. You know, just like Chief said, you know, complacency. And you may have this helicopter that you've done that, that you've worked on you've done this same procedure hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. You're just like, Okay, yeah, I know 
I know how this works. You know, this is same old, same old. And then all of a sudden, that one time you slip up and you don't think about it, and you're having to, you have an NCIS coming through and investigating. You're like, mm. hey, you miss, you missed a step. Oh, oh man. shit. Can I can I say something real quick? Absolutely. Oh, so I'm on the road a lot, too much. I think I've been home in the last month, like five days. I listen to a lot of podcasts. The Sean Ryan podcast had Eddie Gallagher on it. And Eddie Gallagher was a chief in the SEALs and was accused by his underlings of some horrendous shit. All made up. This guy is the ultimate in accountability. He wrote a book. And on in the book, you can open the book and there's QR codes. I've never seen this done before. You can actually click on it and it takes you to a link with the actual NCIS interrogation stuff from all the people that accuse him and how they couldn't keep their story straight and all the stuff from court. It's like as you're reading about the court trial, I would not want to be involved with NCIS. And I'm not saying anything bad about him. I just, when you said that, it brought that out to my memory that that podcast, I mean, it was five hours long. I listened to it going to Asheville and coming back, and I'm going to tell you, I was pissed. And I've never served in the military, but I was hot because of how they've treated people. And I can only imagine if we had the level of accountability in the National Fire Service that we have, like, say, with, like, the FBI, the DOJ, that we might get somewhere, you know, that we, we, don't, have a, we don't have that level of accountability. We have the National Fire Academy where chiefs want to go to be called chief and wear a tie and you go to O'Leary's and you go to the command post and you get you a drink and you have your good classroom classes. That's great, but our job's not the classroom. Our job's on the rig, you know, and it's just, it's amazing to me to listen to that. If you, if you get the chance to listen to that podcast, because it'll, it'll blow your mind. It's Sean Ryan's podcast. Uh, he's out of Tennessee. He's a former, I don't know what he is. He's something I've uh, never really delved in. I don't care to Google box anybody. I just wanted to listen to what he had to say because the Eddie Gallagher thing, I remember Trump stepping in and making tweets and how they treated him. And, and you know, governing bodies don't always have the best uh, intentions for all of us. So, R- Richard, you mentioned some stuff uh, that you're doing. What what all have you been involved with UL? You're doing some things to kind of help bring the fire service up to par, if you yeah. will. So, um, pretty fortunate. Um, back in 2019, I was selected to be on the um, a tech panel for. It was it was a pretty broad subject, but the focus was was search. And so the, the, the name of the study um, at the time was Size Up, Search and Rescue, and then they had an HVAC component. That really was just an – they had some funding for it. That wasn't part of it, but it was basically Size Up and Search and Rescue. And um, and so I, I've always wanted to be a part of the UL stuff just because I think as much as anything they're validating what it is we're doing on the fire ground. And, um, and so that's fine. And it was the last day that they were accepting applications to be on this panel. So I'm at, I'm at my fire station. It's like 1030 at night. (laughs) I'm like, I've got to come up with justification. This, this will be really, uh, I'm not going to get on this one because I tried to get on the, uh, 
the cord, the uh, stream, the, the stream study as well. And I, yeah. didn't, I didn't get on that. One. Good so, stuff out of that. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I typed this up and I submit it like 20 minutes before the deadline. And, uh, so I, I totally forgot that I even filled this application out. <laughs> totally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> so all of a sudden I get a text message from a couple of people that says, congratulations. I said, for what? Because I had no idea. And they're like, you're on, you're on a tech panel. I'm like, excuse me? So I went and checked my email. Of course, I had to go on my spam email. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I got accepted to the search and rescue tech panel, which which was a very um, humbling thing because it was some it was some heavy hitters on that. And so we get there to, to – uh, we're actually in Columbia, Maryland at, at their site. <clears throat> not the training facility, but at their office. And it's fire service professionals from all around the United States. I found out that it was over a 1,000 applicants. They only took like 21 people. Oh, wow. So to be in that company, to say is humbling, is is is, is an understatement. Right. Because so, there's some heavy hitters. Yeah. So... <clears throat> so... I, we get started, and they, they go over the stream study. They go over the coordinated fire attack. They talk about how the studies will work, this, that, you know, and then we then we really dive into, okay, well, what kind of experiments do we want to see? What kind of experiments are, are we looking at doing? You know, how does an open window impact or simulated a VES or a door initiative, you know. A, V-E-I-S. Yeah, well. We're, Don't forget that I. Well, we're going away from all of that. Oh, no doubt. The push is window-initiated search or door-initiated search, and it's more about where you begin your search. Love it. Okay, and and so that is that is one of the pushes, and and. and I appreciate that kind of come from the membership. So, of course, COVID hit through all of it. And um, so when it was time to do the experiments, we had the opportunity to go up to um, Delaware County, which is where their training facility is, and um, do two days of burning. And the first day we did a, a bedroom, and day two we did a kitchen, which ended up into the living room. But when I tell you it is two ranch-style homes sitting on this property, it is two ranch-style homes sitting on this property that's outfitted. I mean, it's got couches, it's got beds, it's got pictures on the wall. Alpaca pictures, mind you, but it's pictures on the wall. <laughs> and and so, you know, to and and then they were also for the for the folks on the panel, you were you were getting a link so that you could watch every one of them. And, and the data starts to come in and you start looking at things and then, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's a process, right? And they really seek involvement, um, of their panel members. And so for, for me, um, my positioning on the panel was because I come from a smaller fire department where, and I was open with them. A lot of times the search is an afterthought. It's not the priority. And, and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm was looking to, to get rid of, you know, let, let's, let's make it a priority in, in, in my, in my small department. So we do all that. And then, uh, the study comes out, they release it. 
and now it's time to do the online course. And I had the opportunity to be a part of the, of the online course through some interviews and doing some different things and talking about my experience and how the study impacts my small department. Um, and, and so, and then, but the good thing about it is, and I don't want to spoil it becomes, because it comes out May 16th, is when the release date for the online course for the search stuff is. But I would encourage everybody to go check it out because some of the stuff that they did in this online course is it's it, it is so easy for a firefighter at any level, firefighter to chief, it doesn't matter. You you take a look at that online course, you go through it and you do it, you you can see the impacts that firefighters are making by doing different actions on the fire grounds. It's, it's really just, it's phenomenal work. Keith and Craig have done a great job at UL. Um, I will, I will share one, one other thing. And then I had this most recent opportunity was I had the opportunity in August to go to the first tech panel summit. And it was 50 of us in there roughly. And it was 50 of the heaviest hitters in the American fire service with the exception of one. And that was me. Um, Appreciate your humility. We would all, I think, collectively disagree. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was it was up in Philly. Um, it was three days of, of training. It was three days of, of talking with, with, with fire service folks about where we're headed because it was all about we've done all these, we've done these studies now. What's next? Where do we need to go to next? And, and they're they're seeking it from the fire service, mm-hmm. and and I, there's you know there there's been a time where UL wasn't wasn't viewed very highly because it, it's it's science right it's, it's, <laughs> witchcraft it's it's it's, it's in a, it's in a lab, you know. For me, what I found is it reinforces what it is we've been doing for years. All it does is it reinforces that hey, if you are searching ahead of the line, you might want to be a little bit more remote from the fire than going right up in the throat of the fire to, to initiate your search. Oh, we, we're gonna we're gonna do a window initiated search and we're gonna search the room and oh we can continue our search. So let's do. I mean, things common sense things like that that we have thought about and we've done for years all they've done is proven that it's it's the right tactic and it works that's right and that that's really what i love about it um and just they're they're really outstanding people so so for those that don't use it you just go to uh you can google box it uh uh, it's just training the word training dot f s r i dot org and that'll take you to the fire safety research institute training academy online uh right now there are about 28 courses that's bilingual in some uh the newest one that's out is the uh residential fire near miss incident in lagrange georgia but uh, you can go in there and earn certificates and and you can learn some relevant things about this job um we asked the chief staff sergeant what is what's next for you you going to finish out in the corps Yes, I'm gonna do my twenty and okay. pop smoke, so to speak. For those that don't speak military, what does that mean? 
get out. Okay. <laughs> leave, I thought that's the, what that meant. Yeah. He's going to leave the gun club. I, I'm, I'm, I am going to exit that gun club, and yeah. I asked yeah. you something earlier. Your your primary job is you're a helicopter mechanic. Correct. Yes. But your prime your that that's your that's your specialty. That's my specialty. My my primary job is to kill the bad guys. You're a rifleman. Right. An expert rifleman. Right. You, so you have a you have a specialty, right? But you have a primary job. Correct. Now I will tell you there is a department in North Carolina that I absolutely love their slogan. It's Wake Forest Fire Department Chief Early. And on every apparatus, it says saving lives is our prime goal, period, the end. God, I love that because that's what we're supposed to be about. You're supposed to be a property conservation expert, but saving lives is their prime goal. So how many years you got in right now? Uh, I'm sitting right at 12. All right. So two more enlistments. Is yep. that right? Yep. All right. So Very good. Chief, I saw you uh, put your hand up. I'm intrigued now. So, so, <laughs> oh, shit. The Marines using big words. Oh, my so, gosh. So, I had to Google box so, that one. <laughs> um, isn't, and I feel you said it, so it confirms it that <laughs> once a Marine is once a rifleman, always a rifleman. Is that correct? That's correct, yes, Chief. How about this? How about if the fire chiefs in the fire service today viewed that same approach to the fire service. Once a firefighter, always a firefighter. And never forget the fact that that's what your primary purpose is. Yes, you're in a position of leadership, mm-hmm. but by gosh, you're a firefighter, and you have to remember the values and the principles of what this job stands for and what it's about. You have to start somewhere sometime. That's you know, exactly. nobody, nobody ever takes an oath anymore. It's your career agency. Do you make them take an oath? Um, I don't know if they do or not. It's been so long since you were there, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're in the short rows. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I did not. Okay. I know they instituted it a few years ago, but I don't know with this new generation if it's if it's still there. And, and, and my point is, is that for me, don't forget where I came from, number one, but remember what it's like to stretch that hose. Remember what it's like to force the door. Remember what it's like to search that dark, hot hallway and then have to force a door at the end of it. Amen. Because that, that's, what, that's what we're supposed to do. And think about how much better of a leader I, I am on the fire ground when I, when I have an intimate knowledge and truly understand what it is I expect my firefighters to do. Absolutely. That's fair. That's very fair. It's very fair. Well, Chief, I think we've maybe exhausted it. We've talked about your career. We've talked about home. We've talked about some cool shit that you're doing <laughs> for the job. Um, so we won't make you go first. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to let the Marine go first because that's what we do. We send the Marines in to get shit done. So uh, <laughs> I've worked with some Marines. I'm going to tell you. They're uh, – I, you know, my auctioneer boss, uh, Myers Jackson's a former Marine and uh, had the privilege of working with uh, the Woody Williams Foundation and being one of their auctioneers. And um, I never understood what Marines really embodied until I started hanging around with some of them. And then, holy shit, you know, uh, we did Arlie Army's auction. Uh, you talk about some cool stuff uh, when he when he passed for his family and his estate. But we close out with some words of wisdom. So, Staff Sergeant, you're going to. We're going to push you to the front of the line. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I always enjoy going by don't be the leader, 
that I had be the leader that I wish I had, if that makes sense. Wow. Don't, you know. Deep, right? Wow. As you were talking earlier, Chief, you know, you you were at that point, at some point in your career. And, you know, my leaders that I had, you know, coming up through the Marine Corps, they were, they were leaders. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll leave that part out, but, you know, I, I told myself at that point, I was like, I am not going to be that guy because that guy hasn't done a fucking thing for me for my career. I'm going to be the guy that my Marines can come to and say, say, essentially, Dad, help. <laughs> right? Daddy, help me, my hoogies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I, I think that's what I, I, I live by every day. Well, that's, that's pretty powerful. That that's pretty powerful. That's powerful, Big John. Uh, I'd say uh, keep being a student of the craft. Uh, don't do something stupid to end up on YouTube. And remember, <laughs> your ego does not put out the damn fire. But it will certainly eat your brains. Wow! Just like ticker tacker. <laughs> that'd, that'd be a big helmet to feel, wouldn't it? It would be, Chief. What do you got? Ah, uh, so. I might be a little little lengthy here. I'll try to make it brief. No, do your thing. Um, my my words of wisdom would be for anybody in this great occupation to find balance in your life with it. Um, I can personally speak from a time where Richard Ray did not have balance in his life, and he was everything fire service related, and it about cost me everything that was dear to me, mm. and. So my point to you is, is that it's a great, it's a great, great, great occupation. It's a great blue collar job because that's what it is. It's blue collar work. Even though you're wearing a white shirt. Even though I'm wearing a white shirt. Um, but, but also understand too that there, you're not just the one making sacrifices to do the job. Everybody in this room has somebody that loves them and they sacrifice for you to do the job too. So have that balance. Remember what it's like to be in their shoes that they have to sacrifice. And understand that it's okay to miss a fire every now and then. Don't ever want to miss a single one, but it's okay to miss one if you're going to be with your family. And, and I kind of remember it this way. I kind of have three F's in my life. Faith, family, fire. Specifically in that order. And uh, so have balance. Have balance. And... Uh, Remember, it's a it's a privilege to be on the job. Greatest job in the world. It is. And it's a privilege. Yeah. And Some of the greatest friends I've met is because of this job. Things no, that I've gotten no to doubt. do. No doubt. I've gone places that I never thought I'd ever go. Amen. You know, and it's all because of, you know, just like you and the Marines. Mm-hmm. You've gone places that you're like, oh, wow. It's a whole yeah, other country. It's a whole It's a whole other country. Well... <laughs> That uh, y'all have hit it deep. Y'all hit it hard. Staff Sergeant brought up the uh, Walt Disney World, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Walt Disney. Is <laughs> my word of wisdom. Uh, if you can dream it, you can do it. Friends, we appreciate you listening. Uh, if you've made it this far in the podcast, uh, we appreciate your time. If you need anything in the future, please reach out to us at www.box1971.com. If you're looking for Richard Ray. You're not going to find any uh, social media companies. I've tried to get on richardray.com. It does not exist. So I'll save you the efforts of trying to look. Um, how can the, people reach out to Richard you if they Ray. need to? Yeah, the Richard Ray. 
Well, what I will tell you is that uh, I am on social media, uh, just under my name, yep. obviously. Um, and that's where you'll learn about who Richard Ray, the human being, is, the man is, and what, what, what he's about. And, Amen. And if you, want, if you want to get in touch with me, that's the best way to do it. Just, just shoot me a message. Um, would love to talk shop, do whatever I can for anybody in the fire service. Because remember, we're in this together. So I think yeah. what he just said was DMs are open. Mm. That's right, sir. <laughs> so, DMs are I'll open. I'll probably get some nasty ones now. Yeah, yeah. yeah you definitely will. <laughs> well, that's all right. You know what? It, it for all the detractors, I love it when we we do something. You know, um, you know, this tunnel to towers deal is kind of a big deal. We're sitting here. Uh, it's a Sunday morning uh, now, bled into the afternoon, and uh, Hooks and Irons is going to jump in and. Uh, give some stuff for giveaways for folks. So, you know, we're trying to raise money for Tunnel to Towers, and I showed John. I was like, hey, check this out. This just came through uh, sitting here. But that's going to be a big deal, and if you want to register for it, uh, you just follow the links on social media. There's a QR code. You uh, click that. You register. You're in. Um, You know, stay tuned to that because that's going to be a big deal. Uh, Hotel rates are discounted at the hotel that we're using, uh, the uh, Hampton Inn in Garden City. They've been gracious enough to basically cut the room rate in half. We've got folks coming from L.A. City. We've got folks coming from the Midwest for this event. So it's going to be a big damn deal. We're excited. We're already starting to plan the second one uh, at a bigger venue uh, to be announced later on. But this is going to probably be an annual, if not biannual, thing for Tunnel to Towers. Um, But I know that there are people sitting back watching and rooting for us to fail, and that's fine. Because hell hath no fury like determined truckies. <laughs> so, oh, there's a reason John's not on the planning committee. But, anyways, uh, listen, this has been a great podcast. It's been great to sit down with you, Chief. It's always uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely, we never get to sit down and talk much anymore. We're both like passing ships in the night. Uh, but you know, wrapping this up from the uh, Fueled by Milwaukee studio right here at Firehouse 71. I want to say thank you to everybody listening. I want to say thank you to all for your carving out some time of your day. Staff Sergeant, thank you for, thank you for having me. Yes, sir, spending yeah. some time with us. Absolutely. Um, but I guess to end it, train hard, we're all they have. <laughs>